So I'm Chris Gore, I'm one of the fourth year residents here at St. Mary Mercy in the Emergency Medicine Residency. Um, I'm joined here today with our program director, uh, Dr. Kevin Bame. Um, so today's lecture was on uh, tick-borne illnesses, and I uh, wanted to ask you, Dr. Bame, if, uh, if you had any interesting cases, uh, if you had maybe any uh, clinical pearls, anything that we could talk about in terms of board review. Sure. Well, uh, thanks for having me, Chris, and your lecture was excellent today. Oh, the, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. The, uh, I'd love to say that I have fascinating cases about ticks, um, but I think you have to watch shows like House or uh, ER to see the fascinating cases that involve uh, ticks in the emergency department. Um, I've seen cases of Lyme. Um, I haven't seen tick paralysis or any of the more obscure cases. But the case that came to mind uh, was a uh, few years ago when I was still a nocturnalist and we had a uh, family come in freaked out because during bath time they found a tick on the, the five-year-old's head. Mm -hmm. So my resident went in and uh, the resident didn't enjoy uh, uh, creepy crawly things whatsoever and, and this was the first time they had come in contact with an engorged tick. Uh, so they were excitedly presenting the case to me and I asked if they had removed the tick. And uh, it, it met with a resounding no. So uh, I asked if she had ever seen a tick removed, and the answer was no there. And then I asked if she knew how to remove a tick. And the answer was, don't you just pull it off. So at the, uh, at the desk, we kind of talked about how you go about removing a tick, you know, getting real close to the to the insertion point with tweezers and kind of in the direction that it embedded, pull off in the uh, opposite direction, uh, make sure you take it off in one fluid movement, uh, don't remove any parts behind, don't squeeze the tick, etc., etc. So she felt comfortable that she could do it and then we went to the bedside. And the reason I think this is an interesting case here is that I used a technique with her that I use with a lot of procedures in you talk to the patient and to the family to explain exactly what you're going to do to put them at ease when what you're really doing is reminding the person doing the procedure how to do the procedure. <laughs> but instead of saying, hey Chris, I need you to grasp here and pull, which would make the patient feel a little unease or the family members at this point saying, God, he doesn't know what he's doing. I can assure everybody that Dr. Gore knows exactly what he's doing. I tend to be chatty and just to keep everybody at ease, I'm going to let you know what's going to happen before it happens so that nobody freaks out since you can't see what we're going to do behind your head. So by doing that, we, uh, the resident was able to successfully get the tick out. It was a nice engorged tick. Uh, the family was very comfortable with the resident performing the procedure and the tick came out seamlessly. So uh, just kind of a reminder that uh, you know, as we're graduating our uh, current PGY1 class, and are about to bring a new class in uh, when the upper levels are going to be teaching a procedure or anybody's getting the medical students involved during the recruitment season, one of the great techniques to use is make sure that the family or the patient knows what's going to happen right before the person does the procedure while you're watching the procedure being done. So um, now the question came up after taking it out whether or not that child needed any tick um, uh, prophylaxis. And the, the answer was no, because at the time, 
that we did it, there really was no Lyme disease in uh, Wayne County uh, where this hospital was located, much like where our hospital is located. Uh, but what's interesting is when you look at uh, the recent data released by the CDC and the state of Michigan, Lyme disease prevalence is growing in the state of Michigan. Uh, so one of the take home points for practice for us is we really have to know uh, what diseases are in the areas we're practicing. And moreover, because people like to travel, uh, not just in Michigan, but, but in a lot of places, you need to get a good history on where people have been in case you find that they come to your uh, facility with a tick removal and thinking that they may need prophylaxis. Now, when it comes to Lyme disease, the only time that you want to uh, give prophylaxis, according to the CDC, is if all, uh, all these five requirements are met. Uh, the first being that doxycycline is not contraindicated, that the, the attached tick can be uh, uh, identified as a tick that bears Lyme disease, in this case the black-legged tick. Uh, the uh, estimated time of attachment is about three days, or 30, uh, I'm sorry, a day and a half, 36 hours, and you tell that by how engorged it is. Um, you need to start the prophylaxis within three days of the tick removal and uh, it has to be a highly endemic area. Uh, so Connecticut, uh, Delaware, Maine, Maryland, uh, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Virginia, Vermont, and Wisconsin. So if somebody came from uh, a backpacking trip from Wisconsin and came back to our area here in Wayne County, that would be somebody you'd consider. Somebody that got a tick while they were golfing in Oakland County or in Wayne County, uh, probably not somebody I would consider giving um, prophylaxis to. Um, and of note, here in Michigan, only about 15% of the uh, ticks that are found in Michigan are the black-legged ticks. By far the most uh, common ticks are the American dog tick or the wood tick, with that being about 76% of the ticks in Michigan. Um, those still cover disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever and tularemia being the uh, two diseases that the wood tick in um, Michigan do carry. And then of note, there's lesser known ticks. 5% uh, uh, of our ticks are Lone Star ticks, which have Ericleos, uh, Rocky Mountain spotted fever and tularemia. The woodchuck tick is 3% of our ticks, uh, which carry, uh, carry viral illnesses. And uh, finally, the brown tick or the kennel tick uh, is about 1% of the ticks here in Michigan. Uh, as you guys get prepared to do your boards, um, I think that there are certain trends that we need to keep in mind. Doxycycline by far is the drug of choice for tick diseases, and that's a good thing to know, but that's a horrible test question because it's too easy. So what you want to know are the exceptions to the rules. Um, so even though doxy is the drug of choice, remember that with uh, uh, babyosis and uh, tularemia, you want to use multi-drug uh, treatments. And um, with uh, Colorado tick fever and uh, Powassan disease, these are viruses and they don't require any uh, treatment because antivirals don't work for these. And then finally with Lyme disease, remember that you only use IV rocephin or penicillin if the patient has encephalitis, meningitis, optic neuritis, joint effusion, heart block, or failure to oral treatment. Well, very good. So I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us today, and this concludes uh, our podcast uh, for the week. Great. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you. Bye. Bye.